0: it's tuesday march 9th i'm rudy can you smell that oh springs in the air Yep, oh, never mind that's actually cancel culture just squeezing the life out of peppy lepew let's take a long walk to cleveland What's happening, everybody? I'm Rudy Povich. Welcome to A Long Walk to Cleveland. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Instagram. It's just Rudy underscore Povich, P-A-V-I-C-H, not... Guys, the local comic's really funny. Please give it up for Rudy Popovich. All right, so on the show today, I'm going to talk a little bit about cheating being exposed on Facebook. Also, my red light episode. But first, let's talk a little bit about one of the greatest comedic actors of our day. Robin Williams. This just came out uh, just the other day on TikTok. A guy by the name of Josh Flitter, former child star. I don't remember the guy or any of the movies that he was in, but apparently he had worked with Robin Williams, and uh, he was sharing a story online about what it was like to work, uh, work with the guy. And, man, you know, I mean, such a, one of the greatest comedic minds we've ever seen in our lives. But to actually sit down and have the guy not only, you know, go over lines with him, but then at the end of, you know, two months of filming, you get to have this story. So I'm an actor, but I was a pretty successful child actor. I did a bunch of movies when I was a kid. Nancy Drew and Ace Ventura Jr., and greatest game ever played. But I want to talk about uh, this movie, Licensed to Wet. It was a rom-com with John Krasinski and Mandy Moore, who are also incredible and amazing people. But I want to talk about Robin Williams. In the two months that we worked together, Robin taught me everything that I know about comedy and professionalism and being kind to people on set. He was the funniest, sweetest, smartest person On the planet, I don't care what anybody else says, a genius and the kindest man. At the end of filming, Robin came to my trailer and he gave me a gift. It was a signed copy of the Groucho letters signed by Groucho Marx. He said someone gave it to him because he reminded them of Groucho. And Robin gave it to me and said it's because that I reminded him of him. I remember the day that Robin Williams had passed away and we all found out. I was sitting on the back porch of my house and there was something about it. I guess I was so angry that my phone told me that one of the most beloved human beings was dead. I don't know why that made me so upset. There was almost like a moment of relief when I found out that Prince had died, that somebody told me face-to-face. I was at the gym, and uh, a friend of mine who was there at the same time had walked up and said, Oh my gosh, Prince is dead. And there was like some sort of, there was like value in the fact that a, a piece of machinery didn't tell me. That I had a human emotion that there were, you know, somebody somebody else was feeling the same thing I was feeling in that moment. But when I sat on that, my back porch and my phone gave me my little alert signal and I picked it up and it said, you know, beloved comedic actor Robin Williams dead, I was almost mad about it. And I also think, I don't think I gave enough credit to Robin Williams like I should have. You know, we have all these people that we grow up with, and a lot of them get to be beloved. I didn't know Robin Williams, and here's the thing. If you're around that long and you have that big of a body of work, you're going to have some stinkers. And people are not going to like some of the things you did. I didn't really know Robin Williams for all the great comedic stuff. Right on the edge of Good Morning Vietnam was where I was kind of starting to like be able to watch movies that were more than just a PG or PG-13 rating. So I kind of knew Robin Williams just for, like, flubber, <laughs> you know? Like I didn't know a lot of the stuff that he had gone out and done. And you have some of the most iconic movies, The Patch Adams, The Mrs. Doubtfires, you know, all that beloved stand-up. And I just don't think I gave him the credit. In fact, when, uh, when I was, uh, I don't know, this was to have been going on 12 years ago. I was in Las Vegas with a friend of mine. And he had said, hey, I got his tickets for Robin Williams. He's going to be playing at Mandalay Bay. And I thought, eh, I'll, I'll go see him. It's Robin Williams. You gotta ha- I mean, You should see Robin Williams one time, right? I didn't know that my love for the guy would start to flow over years later. But I thought, okay, I'll see him. I'm not a huge fan, but whatever. We'll go check it out. So the night before, we're walking through Mandalay Bay, and we were there for uh, the UFC. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I just remember Chuck Liddell was fighting uh, Sugar Rashad Evans. And we're walking through one of the hallways, and it's packed. You know, there's a big fight going on that night. Adam Sandler was in town, and Kevin James, Robin Williams the night after the UFC at Mandalay Bay. And as we're kind of walking through the hallway, my buddy Adrian, out of nowhere, mid-sentence, went, <gasps> Robin Williams. And as I turned my—because I was looking at Adrian to my right, and I started to turn my head. And as I turned my head, Robin Williams came brushing up against the side of me. I mean, close enough that our elbows literally touched each other. And it was like from that moment on, I thought, I have touched Greatness. How have I not been, when I saw that guy, I mean, just for like the half a second that my eyes laid, laid on that guy, I was like, wow, he is something. And he, and the thing is, is that Robin Williams and I are basically eye to eye. I think he stood about five foot five and three quarters. I'm just a smidge over five foot six. So most of the celebrities I meet, I'm always looking up at, but he was like right there, man. And he was in a hurry and he must've been talking to one of his assistants, but I just remember having that feeling of, of, wow, that guy is something. And he's somebody. And he's just the dude that made you laugh for all those years you saw on television. And there he was, just walking down the hallways of Mandalay Bay. And then we saw him the next night, you know, doing the whole, uh, doing the whole like hour and a half stand-up. No opener. Just walked out on stage and crushed. Every joke was on point. Huge roars of laughter. And I kind of started going back through some of the older things. And then the one movie that really gets me every time I think about Robin Williams, it has to be Father of the Year. One of his good friends, Bobcat Goldthwait, from all the Police Academy movies you know him from, he wrote this movie and thought, i got to put Robin in it. And Robin Williams comes in and puts on the performance of a lifetime. I feel like that's probably his most underrated film. He's got a couple of other ones out there where he definitely played somebody that was sway out of the Robin Williams wheelhouse that we know him as. But, man, father of the year. Go check that out and watch more of that. And also, let's, let's, not, let's not sit on some of these guys that, you know, have been around for a while like, like the Eddie Murphys of the world. I pray to God that Eddie Murphy doesn't die and we all just go, Oh, don't you remember Pluto Nash? What a huge piece of garbage that movie was, huh? Let's not do that. Although this, la- this last one, Coming to America, I fell asleep about halfway through it. Watch I Am Dolomite. That movie's worth it. All right. So the other day, um, just checking out the uh, the social platforms, came across a friend of mine who had posted about her husband cheating. Husband? No. Boyfriend. Yeah, boyfriend. Gotta be boyfriend. And she wrote this long diatribe about how so-and-so cheated on me and, you know, And he's trying to get his stuff out of my house, but I don't want him here. Can you guys? And it was, it's not, it wasn't, from what I could gather, it wasn't like uh, she's hunkered down in the house and he's throwing bricks through the window to try to get in. He was basically saying like, "Uh, this is my house too and I'm coming to get what I want. She was freaking out. And I know it's like one of the roughest moments you're ever going to have in your life and you're super emotional, but. At some point, I had to, like, text a mutual friend of ours and go, should we drop her a line and tell her to maybe tone it down a little bit? I mean, reel it in. In five days, you're going to not be as angry as you are and look back on all the stuff that you posted, and you you might want to... Mm, I mean, you're giving out a lot of personal information about a couple that was together for four years. He has no idea that you're doing it. You unfriended him. You blocked him. You changed your, your you know... Is it marital status, I guess? Relationship status on Facebook to single? He knows you're angry. She's taking, like, screenshots of the uh, text messages they're having back and forth with one another. And I'm I'm thinking, hey, this is going to come back to bite you in the ass. Now, I, now her boyfriend's a huge douche. I mean, he, he reminds me so much of Chad Kroger from Nickelback. He's got, like, the stupid little, like, thin goatee with the blonde hair, and it's a little longer... And he's kind of, you know, rocking the bedazzled jeans every once in a while. You could see he was a cheater from a mile away. I don't blame him. I blame you. You should have known better. But I just th- th- started thinking about, do you remember when we used to have decorum with stuff like this? Do you remember, like, back in the day, like, I think it was, was it called Verses? Was that the name of the movie um, Susan Sarandon had played um, Betty? Oh, man, I should have looked this up. Should have looked it up. Should have looked it up, but anyway, I, I don't know. You go back and you look at like all these celebrities, like the Frank Sinatras of the world from back in the day. They went out and plowed gals all over the all over the world, right? And then they'd come back, and their old ladies would find out about it, and they're you know they they'd get drunk, and they'd maybe take the fifty seven Chevy and they'd plow it into a tree. They'd pack up the kids, they'd go to the go to moms. It never really came out in the tabloids or anything. There was almost like a silent decorum about it that people had. You know, guys too. Very seldom did this stuff ever get brought up, especially put on a social platform for everybody to read. I mean, when Lisa Left Eye Lopez caught Andre Ryzen cheating, she did th- I find this to be very respectful. She went and burned his clothes. She wasn't going to call him out in the tabloid. She didn't like call TMZ. She didn't get somebody, the paparazzi, to go out in the driveway. No, she went to go burn his clothes. Now. Yes, it did get a little out of hand because the bathtub caught on fire and then the whole house burned down. Mm, you know, but there's a part of me that just thinks, good on you, Lisa. You weren't going to, like, call him out. This was something that needed to be dealt with inside. It was a personal matter. Obviously, he's in the wrong. He's going to suffer through it. He's going to lose his place. He's, you know, probably going to have a tougher time getting custody of the kids, whatever it is. But, I don't know, keep that stuff on the inside. I've gone through many a breakup, never told anybody. There's no reason to. Keep it to you. You don't need to drag other people into that. As a society that complains a lot about like, oh, you know, uh, we're we're spending too much time on social media and everyone's getting losing their minds about everything. Here's a good opportunity for you to go ahead and just, I don't know, share a gift from the office about like, "Mm, having a tough day today. That's as far as it ever needs to go. Keep all that stuff inside, would you please? I'm a big fan. I'd much rather have somebody suffer silently. (laughs) Which I know is not what we're supposed to be telling people nowadays. If you're feeling hurt, you should say something to somebody. If you're having terrible thoughts about maybe hurting yourself, you should say something to somebody. Also, if you're like 23 years old and your boyfriend cheats, that's what you're supposed to do at that time. When you're in your 20s, it's all filled with infidelity. Also, if you did cheat when you were like in your 20s, don't feel so bad about it. That's the time in your life when you're supposed to go out and you're supposed to make those mistakes. Now, these two are like in their upper 30s. Probably a little tougher of a putt to try to convince somebody that you made a huge mistake. But keep it to yourself, man. I just don't ever want to do something or say something and then look back on it and go, man, I was speaking with emotion and not with my head. I was leading with my heart, and I should have been leading with uh, with just silently leading at the table with just a bottle of booze and nobody else around. That, that to me feels like the proper way to handle when you catch somebody cheating. All right. Anyway, I wish those two the best. <laughs> Oh, this morning, let me tell you guys, there is, there is a, there is such self-satisfaction when you can just stick it to people and they can't do anything about it. This morning, I'm on my way to work. Now, I've been beating the drum about this for a long time and everybody thinks I'm crazy, but it is 5.15 in the morning. Sometimes even earlier than that. The fact that red lights aren't blinking yellows or blinking reds drives me absolutely batty. And the only thing that drives me even more up a wall is the fact that people will sit at those red lights for two, three minutes. Nary a car is within three miles of you. Go through the light. Go through the light. Get on with your life. Keep moving. Please. Why are we all just sitting there wasting our time? If you're stuck at a... I'm not saying blow through red lights. If it's 4.30 in the morning and you pull up to an intersection and it's a red light, look both ways. If there's no cars, go through it. Get on with your life. Why are you wasting time? So this morning, I'll have to kind of paint the picture for you here. I get off on an Exit. And at the end of the exit, uh, excuse me, end of the exit is uh, the intersection with the stoplights. There's three lanes. There's the left lane to turn left, which is where I need to go. There's the middle lane, which is to go straight. And then there's the right lane to turn right onto that same street. The left lane, which is the one I need to be in, was about 17 cars deep. The middle lane was probably about 12 cars deep. The right lane, completely wide open. So instead of me being the 18th car in line in the left-hand lane, and I could see, because they have the countdowns here in the Metro, they have the countdown for how long that light is still going to be red. And it was at like 22 seconds. And I thought, I'm not waiting. Because at 17 cars, you also might not be... One of those vehicles that gets through that intersection before it turns red again. And I'm like, I'm not waiting. There's no way. So I went around to the right, went all the way up to the front, pulled up to the intersection, looked both ways. What do you know? Not a car for miles. And I just went through it and went to the left and blew past everybody. Now, the parking lot I need to turn into is probably about at least a good uh, maybe like mm, two-fifths of a mile up the road. By the time I got to that parking lot, I was looking in my rearview mirror, and everybody was still stuck back at that light. And I thought, I hope I'm changing some people's minds about this. And if you ever get pulled over, you should definitely be telling these officers, there's no reason why we need to have There shouldn't be 17 cars stacked up. That, red is, that light is red for like two and a half minutes each time. Why are, There's nobody around. It's ridiculous. And at that time of morning in that section of town, who's to say that some dude isn't going to just come up and try to get in your car? Not to instill fear into people, but I'm saying that if we were to just keep these keep traffic moving, maybe you'd have less incidents of, you know, somebody trying to carjack another human because it's 4.30 in the morning. Why are there red lights? Keep them all blinking yellows and reds. If you do plan on going through a red light, do it safely. Don't just pull up and blow right through. But we got to make some changes here. And it starts with you, by the way. It starts with you realizing that your time is very valuable. I've been doing it now for seven years. Seven years I've been going through that light. Every single morning. I bet I have saved 11 days of my life. Isn't that, don't you want that? Don't you want to get moving? Don't you feel like your time is valuable? You should. It's the only thing you have in life. Your time. Money you will lose, you will remake it. Relationships, they will come, they will go. Vehicles, houses, fishing equipment, sewing machines, whatever it is. That stuff comes and goes. Time is the only thing you have. Don't waste it. One of my favorite quotes of all time, it comes from Henry Rollins. If you don't know Henry, look him up. The guy used to go out and do spoken word tours. And one of the things that he said, and I, to this day, it always gets me. There is no playtime, There is no work time. There is only lifetime. Go. I heard that saying when I was about 15, and it has stuck with me ever since then. Go out and do stuff, and don't let this don't let these small things be a hiccup. It's a dime holding up a dollar. You are the dollar. Get moving. Everybody I work with is losing their minds. How dare you do that? Well, you think your time is spe- my time is special, and you should think your time is special too. Don't let it be taken up by red lights all the time, especially at that time. Now, if it's four o'clock in the afternoon and there's a ton of traffic going both directions, and you got to deal with the light rail. Yeah, maybe, (laughs) maybe you hold it back a little bit. Maybe you don't need to run every single red light. But at that time, keep moving. And if you are stuck at that uh, red light, make sure that you are subscribing to this podcast, A Long Walk to Cleveland, on either iTunes. I always keep saying iTunes. Man, that's old school. Got to stop saying that. On either Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or probably my favorite platform. You can download us on Stitcher. Don't forget to find me on Instagram. That's at Rudy underscore Pavage. Once again, thank you so much, and enjoy your long walk to Cleveland. Seeking the truth never gets old.